Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Hello. And this is episode 176 now, I believe I've got that right. That's correct, yeah. yeah. And we're recording on the 14th of April, and uh, this is a podcast all about, well, local news stories. Rob and I, we've been doing this for a hell of a long time now, and we look at Local news stories in local papers on the on, on on the actual newsprint and online to find those gems of stories that you can only ever find in local news, Rob. And we also have a listener story of the week every week, and we will be featuring one at the end of this episode. Um, I just want to kick us off straight away, Rob, unless you've got any news. No, it's been quite a slow week, actually. Yeah. Right, well, stop talking then. Okay. Um, Rob, breaking update, because I do have a update on the Croydon Cat Killer. Oh, wow. Okay. Another one. I mean, this is just going on and on and on, isn't it? I, I, I can't help thinking the police aren't fully invested in this investigation. Um, well, to be fair, if you're the police, I mean, it, it's not a police... Is it? I don't think the police are investigating this, are no, they? No, they would do. They would investigate this. All right, don't get technical. Right, look, I think it was yesterday. Reports of pet murdered in Forest Hill days after pets were death. So oh, that was no, the one I talked no, about last no. week. Another cat has reportedly been murdered in Forest Hill just days after a beloved family pet was found beheaded in Pets Wood. The latest reported killing could be linked to the so-called Croydon Cat Killer, formerly known as the Croydon Cat Ripper. Yep. And pet owners are being urged to be wary as the number of deaths continues to rise. Now, Rob, this may bring back painful memories. Can I also say, by the way, before we get into this, um, Nibbler was attacked by a stray cat literally two days ago and he has to take him to the vet and he has quite a nasty bite mark we had to shave all the fur off so to make sure that I think the wound was actually infected so I mean I'm still quite raw from that to be honest so you're saying that this is this is going to trigger traumatic emotions well he's okay luckily but I'm just saying I might I could break down to tears well if this will make you break down to tears (laughs) thanks Al do you want to know what this cat was called can you think of another cat who suffered in terrible circumstances this cat wasn't called Buddy. He's called Buddy. Fuck off, is it? <laughs> Rob and I once had an amazing story, I cannot remember when, about a man who, um, well, he was mentally ill, but uh, he took in a stray cat that he called Buddy, gave it the name Buddy, and he once got into an argument with the cat one evening about a personal matter and uh, said that the cat was arguing back with him, which, of course, it wasn't, but he uh, put it in a microwave and killed it. Yep. This cat was called Buddy. He was the second cat found dead in southeast London in less than a week, according to Snarl. The uh, South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty. Doesn't end with anything else. <laughs> Originally named Stripes, Buddy was reportedly found on Saturday evening, April 9th. Why did they change the name? Exactly, no details to that, but he was originally called Stripes. Do you think he was he was in sort of witness, some witness protection programme, maybe? <laughs> I know, I think that the owners are listeners to Local Anesthetic Podcast, and because they heard our brilliant story about Buddy, changed the name from Stripes to Buddy. Well, you, no, but that doesn't make any sense. Why would you change to a cat had been brutally murdered in a microwave? Because they've got a, a dark sense of humour. Right, OK. In a post on social media, Snarl wrote, his family absolutely distraught at the manner of his death, and have said they will never... Get over it. Right, okay. You might get over it. You don't know that. Yeah, give, give it time. You never know. Snarl is linking his death with the recent spate of animal killings, which is being investigated by the police. You're right, Rob, and the RSPCA. Can you imagine? I'm sure it's like the RS, like oh. the police are constantly bemoaning how useless the RSPCA are. Do you know what I mean? It's just a man in a, in a, in a, <laughs> in a shabby coat sort of making notes in the background. I, don't, I can't imagine what the police are actually doing to investigate this. Well, four days earlier, Tuesday, April 5th, Merlin, do you remember Merlin was found beheaded in Crestview Drive, oh, yeah, Petswood. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. killer had chopped off a limb and removed the cat's internal organs. Georgie Grange, who had owned seven-year-old Merlin since he was a kid, and said his discovery was a massive shock. She has spoken out to oh, one yeah. other cat owners in South East London. 
Mrs. Grange said she was aware. Miss Grange said she was aware of the Croydon cat killer, but hadn't realised there had been attacks in the Bromley Borough. Um, the, and the, this that was the. I cat mean, this is still speculation. They don't know that it's the same person. It does seem a little more than that. I mean, just to say, you, well, you said it could be a copycat. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, I was going to make the same pun again this week. All right. To date, the RSPCA has linked 19 deaths, cat deaths across London, and a spokeswoman for the dedicate for the animal charity said a dedicated team is continuing to work closely with the police, and we're looking into all evidence given to us to see if there's deliberately cruel, deliberate cruelty involved. I think if somebody rips out a limb, a lips off a limb from a cat and removes their internal organs, that's deliberate cruelty. Yeah, and also I think when they say team, they mean one man part time. Yeah. I agree, Rob. Now, Rob, I've got two very, very short stories here. This one, just because it reminded me of another story we had. Um, it's from the Daily Echo down in Bournemouth. Um, I think it was yesterday. No journalist listed. Did you hear loud banging noises in pool last night? <laughs> right, OK. Because um, do you remember the mutant wolf of Belvedere? Oh, of course. Which yeah. turned out to be wind turbines. Yep, that's right, yep. Um, a mysterious series of loud bangs were heard across pool last night. Readers have contacted us to ask about the noises, which could be heard throughout the borough. Police say they have no reports relating to noises. First heard around 8.40pm. The noises continued intermittently until midnight. That's the end of that story. Right. So, judging by your last comment, you would suggest those loud bang noises were some people um, in the throes of passion. Uh, No, I think that's cover-up. I think there's there's possibly some sort of um, militant wing of uh, Paulites? Is that what? Paulians? Paulians. What are they they big? People from Paul? Yeah, Paulers. Pool, yeah. I think what they're going to try and do sounds is, like a dodgy sexual practice. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to try and take over, over um, Swanage, then cut it off from the, the <laughs> Well, Uvox forty four says um, speculating about the um, the potential cause of the loud banging noises heard at night. Said, could it have been a pool resident trying to run? I don't get that. Think about it. Could it have been a pool resident trying to run? If they're very heavy, it would make rather loud banging noises. Oh, was that, was that, that was, okay, that's what they say. You just said they're all fat, is what they say. Basically, Rob, yes. Okay. Now, Rob, we all love a cloud story. We've, oh, had, cool. we've had a few in the past. <laughs> we've many, yeah. This is from the New Shopper by oh, Jake Baker now, yesterday. It's a poll. Is there a dinosaur or an elephant in the Gravesend sky? Oh. Right? Okay. A picture taken of the sky in Gravesend has split opinion on social media. It was snapped by Damon Rowley yesterday, and people are debating whether it's a dinosaur or an elephant. So I'm going to show you the picture, and you can make up your mind. Is it dinosaur or elephant or cloud? Oh, good question. I mean, it is a cloud, indisputably. It's but... definitely a cloud. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That's my final answer. It's definitely a cloud. No, um, yeah. I'm going to say more. I can see more of an elephant there than a, than a dinosaur. Can you really? Yeah. I have to be honest, Rob, because um, I can see... Any excuse to play that bloody theme tune? I see a dinosaur, Rob. Right. Majestically rearing up, Rob. From I mean, extinction. Let's not forget that we are talking about a cloud. Yeah, that's true. But nevertheless, um, just to uh, finish that story while we have the lovely sounds of John Williams in the background. Um, that is the end of that story. It just didn't <laughs> It just ends with the poll. Is there a dinosaur elephant in the sky? Option one, dinosaur. Option two, elephant. Option three, shut up. It's obviously a cloud. Alex, have, you not, have you not taken part in that poll? We need to know what, what the... Uh, what? We need some percentages here. No, you're right. Anyway, last story here. Rob. Oh, okay, fine. Right. Uh, I want to know what was winning. Now, I, I, I feel like I've, I shouldn't have done this, but I did. 
Who is it that gives us stories from the Derby Telegraph? Is it normally it's both it's Kyber? Steve, Steve and Kyber. Well, Stephen Kyber, inspired by the stories you submitted, I took a visit to the Derby Telegraph and I found this story which I absolutely loved. We can't both be be rummaging through the archives of the Derby Telegraph it's not an because archive. it's clearly a fantastic paper. Not an archive, Rob. This was April the thirteenth. It was yesterday. Yes, sir. Okay. Meet the Derbyshire meet the Derbyshire chickens that talk to their owner. Oh Jesus. <laughs> okay. Does right, this end in some sort of animal murder? Just how interesting. No, first of all, here's a picture of the said chickens. I mean, I, I know what chickens look like. <laughs> it's a collection of brown, white, black, and black. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clearly a multicultural, multicultural yeah. chicken coop. Um, these Derbyshire chickens talk to their owner as a way of telling her how they are feeling. Do they? Yes. Jill Hurst runs Woodlands Farm on the A6. She has 45 chickens, which she says talk to her during the day to tell her how they feel and what they want. (laughs) Mrs Hurst, who has been at the farm for five years after retirement, also has bees, lambs and pigs at the small holding, which she said is, in quotes, her dream place. She said, they are fantastic and we have a great relationship. I can understand what they are saying when they want to express their feelings. They make a very... They make a very unique noise when they're about to lay an egg and when it has been laid. To be fair, if you were a chicken trying to pass quite a large oval object out, out of your rectum, or rectum? I don't know. They don't shit the egg out, Rob. Well, wherever it is. You're an idiot. Cloaca? Is that right? Could bl- be right. But I think I Wouldn't would make Wouldn't it come out of their vagina? Noise. The hen's vagina? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, what do you mean I possibly? Think, no, because I think birds have cloacas. Right. We'll come on to that later. I'm not coming on to a chicken's cuaca. And to be honest, we probably won't come on to it either. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if that's right, please, I'm sure that's right. I'm sure birds have a... Have a they crack. never let us know, Rob. No, I know. Anyway, she says, uh, they make a very unique noise when they're about to lay an egg and when it's been laid. This is to say, leave it, it's mine. They're very protective. When they're more relaxed and not worried, then they tell me, and that is a good sign. They talk and make a noise, which is quite happy and an upbeat noise. I know this is quite common and a lot of farmers can communicate with their animals. Now, Rob, would you like to know the, uh, the top ten things Mrs. Hurst oh, said... fucking hell. No, the top ten things Mrs. Hurst said she would like to say to the chickens if she had a chance. So she says she can understand the chickens. She's not saying the chickens can understand her, but if she could talk to the chickens and have them understand, would you like to know ten things that she would like? And I'm going to give you a few guesses. So these are hypothetical things that she would say to a chicken if she had the opportunity. Yeah, uh, yeah. These are, these are things that she would like, her, that like them to be able to understand, questions that she would ask them. What questions do you think she would want to ask the chickens? It, is she still imagining their chickens, or is she imagining? Yeah, they're their chickens that can talk to her. Now, what what questions would she wish to ask them? Would you like some more food? Would you like to live in the house? No. What? Who's your best friend? No, no, do, no. Me? Do you need anything else to eat? Okay, well, well done. Okay. Um, what would you ask a chicken? Where does your egg come from? Is it your vagina or your cracker What did you yeah. say it was called? Cloaca. Cloaca. Cracker toe. Cracker yeah. Um, well, maybe I'll just tell you, Rob. Yeah, please. Okay, do. here we go. Number one. I would love to ask them if they're feeling broody. It would give me a good warning. That suggests they regularly assault her sexually. <laughs> Number okay. two. I always say, here, chick, chick, they don't understand me, but it would be good if they could. Alex, this is possibly worse than lunchtime life. I love it. It would be... Number three, it would be good to ask if they were okay. I have a good idea at the moment, but actual communication would be good. So... <laughs> what she's saying is she's got no fucking clue. Yeah, so surely in that one sentence, she's just completely refuted the entire article. So she has no idea wh- whether they're happy or not. 
Number four, I'd like to ask if they're in pain, and then I could do something about it. Right. Are you in pain? <laughs> Number five, I'd want to know who is getting along and who is not getting along, and then I could sort it out. <laughs> I said that. I said, I said you, you want to ask a chicken who, who's Hang their on. best friend. And then I could sort it out. Yeah, How do you sort out a chicken? <laughs> so she sits them down, right? You apologise to this. Alex, I don't think so. Mediation, that's how you do it. Number six. She take, likes... take them into the room, sit them at both ends of the table, put some call on the table, and then start a dialogue. Hmm, okay. Number six. She'd like to ask them, are you comfortable? Right. No, I'm laying a fucking egg. <laughs> number seven. She'd like to ask them, do you need anything else to eat? Um, even more banal, number number eight, would you, do you need anything else to drink? Could she not have included those two in one question? Yeah, she wasted a question there. You wasted a question, Mrs. Hurst. <laughs> number nine. These are my two favourite. Number nine, she'd like to ask them, are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> so she's asked them are you no! comfortable yeah. are you in pain surely that, that implies the same doesn't it but my favourite Rob number 10 <laughs> she'd like to ask the chickens the, the, bear in mind this is something that she would like to be able to say to the chicken if she had the chance of them understanding she would like to ask her 58 chickens what are you planning to do today <laughs> <laughs> What was she talking about? She knows what they're planning to do. She's the farmer. What do you mean, what are you planning to do today? Alex, today I'm planning on walking around this chicken coop, maybe laying an egg. Shitting in the corner and laying an egg. Maybe eat some seed. This I'm planning on pecking your brains out, you demented old bat. <laughs> Again, we're staging a mutiny. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. But this has to go down as, as possibly one of the most irrelevant stories you've ever featured. I mean, it's utterly banal. And can I just say that if... Neither Kyber or Steve actually submit it in the, uh, like, like before this episode goes out. Then I don't know what paper they're reading. <laughs> okay, Rob, you got a story for us, and unless anything better comes up, I think we're going to be having chicken noises at the end of the episode. Oh God, yeah, possibly. Didn't we have chickens before? No, we had parrots last week. Oh Bloody God, other. that was irritating. Yeah, well, yeah. baby. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mine. So, it's yep. been a while since I've read this paper, but I'm glad it's back. It's from the Gloucester Citizen. The Citizen! Oh, that's back as well. Uh, the story is by Jenny Phillips. Now, I'm, I want you to guess what these these words are, but I will come on to... Uh, Adjectives. <laughs> Nouns. No, but verbs. What they mean. <laughs> well, like I say... Oh, well, I'd like that. You know, I like guessing. I know, that's what I mean, right. So, nine words which you only hear in Gloucester or the forest. In this case, the Forest of Dean. Rob, can I just ask you, have you got a dead fly on your... Um, it's either a dead fly no, or... No, it's ink. Uh, I can't get it out. Also, can I ask you another question? Are you wearing a vest under your shirt? No. No, oh, all right, okay. I just wondered if you're a vest man. Some people are, aren't No, they? I don't do it. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a certain type of man who wears a vest. A real man. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not wearing one. <laughs> so, people often mock the West Country accent, but us Gloucester folk and foresters know that we speak... Right and proper. <laughs> Love it. So we've had a look at the words well, you can hear. Is that your uh, Gloucester accent? You come from that area. Shouldn't you be able to I do one? I can't do that. I, I can do this, right. I can read or write, but that would really matter because I do from Gloucestershire and I can drive a trailer. That was good. But isn't that more of a Cornwall accent? Cornish accent? No, that's Gloucester. But isn't Cornish quite similar? Mm, it's not... I don't think it sounds quite as yokel as Gloucestershire. No, okay. 
That was quite good. Okay, come on. But no, Bristol's worse, obviously. Um, we've had a look at the words you can hear on the streets of Gloucester, Sydneyford, or Stroud, which you wrote here anywhere else. Okay? So I'll give you the word, and you can... I mean, it's not that... To be honest, it's not that taxing, but I'll give you the word, and you can try and guess what it means. So the first word, safe. Safe means secure, or yeah, it could yeah, be a exactly. place that you keep personal belongings. Or, as they very strangely put it, as in, safe as fuck. <laughs> Sorry, who are these people in Gloucester who are using this slang? I can't imagine people going around going safe. Okay. But I don't understand why the Gloucester... Did they write safe as fuck in the article? Yeah, no. As in safe as fuck. <laughs> right, local paper, okay, gutter press, really, yeah. Okay, um, next one is our kid. Well, our kid is uh, your, your child. Your... Uh, absolutely correct. So younger brother or cousin. The Manx didn't invent this one. <laughs> Again, they put it on the article just to make it clear. Uh, in case there's any sort of boundary dispute you try to top the last story I had for pure tedium <laughs> uh, possibly next one is Baba baby uh, that's right any child under two or a term of endearment to a friend oi me old Baba that kind of thing uh, a Mally Mally uh, Mally is that like mate or friend uh, no, it's uh, a, a derisive term for an uncertain type of individual used at Newant School since at least the 1980s. <laughs> oh, that's why I got confused, because that's how I think of you. And then I thought, no, that's, yeah, yeah I understand. I mean, that's very specific yeah, at that one school. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, next one is shag. Well, sex. Uh, no, that's incorrect. It's a, a forest term for a friend. All right, shag. Like that. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, loves it. I don't want to say. That means just means I like it. As in, again, I don't know why they've done this. As in, uh, I fucking loves it. I does. Why? They, they, what? Right. <laughs> okay. Again, is, that's is exactly... this journalist about, or like about to leave the organisation? <laughs> that's exactly what it says. Demo Pappy. Um, the next one. The next term is. Is it? Isn't that just too... I mean, is it? Is just English language. No, apparently it's a common answer to all questions. Uh, as in Gloucester. Uh, as in, Gloucester has a female bishop. Answer, is it? Uh, the <laughs> people are demented. <laughs> the, next, <laughs> the next one is uh, Nobber. Nobber? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, a nonce. Uh, it <laughs> doesn't say that. It's uh, similar to Janna in Devon. Uh, to a stranger, an insult, but to someone you know very well, it's matey term, apparently. Oi, right, Nobber! Rob, these people sound inbred. <laughs> Uh, and the last one is uh, Sen. 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 Uh, sun means like sun. No, it's a short version of seen, as in, uh, you send in done shops. Uh, Gloucester people go down the shops, but up to town, even though it's a city. Uh, that's in that article. There's, uh, there's no comments. I have no words, Rob. That's all. It doesn't sound like they do either. <laughs> Okay, Robert, it's time for General Anaesthetic. A round of applause. All right. Like question time. General Anaesthetic is where we cover a national news story of the week or national news stories. I just... Oh, Rob, we missed it. We skipped it last week because we had such a bumper episode with so much going on. And it almost feels that now it's redundant to talk about the Panama Papers. But what were your thoughts about it? I mean, the the main story, wasn't it? I'm not going to read this out, but was the... 
the whole thing that David Cameron got caught up in with his father, with the who 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 was the director of this company set up called Blairmore Holdings. Is anyone who's uh, not aware of the story? I mean, I'm hoping. No, but there is I just still love the name Blairmore. I just could not believe it. I know that Tony Blair is not linked to it, but no. just the term Blairmore made it's you beautifully think, ironic. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, but what was your thought on the whole Panama tax scandal? And well, it was. We've always known it was there. going on, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. People say, "Oh, I mean, I don't think actually, I didn't see any real uh, anyone really." Really sort of surprised by the revelation. I think we're all aware that it goes on. I think they're just really stating the bleeding obvious. I think it was quite hilarious to see Cameron Crimson, but with is it five separate statements he made? Yeah, and I think he's gotten away with that too easily Do because you know his what? whole because his whole excuse has been, oh, the reason that I wasn't telling the truth at the beginning was because I didn't like the way people were talking about my dead dad. Well, you're the prime minister of this country, and you still and you benefit. Do- and I, I fully, I appreciate that it's not legal, but the, you're so, you're, you should be setting your press. And he did obfuscate. And he did obfuscate the truth. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, and also the other thing I wanted to mention, so we won't bother talking about that. We don't need to go in depth about that. But the other thing I wanted to talk about is that you might have heard about this, but just because we've. We so have, Jackie Chan. Well, no, we did cover the rise and fall of Ian Duncan Smith, but oh, you must it? have heard about that that interview that Ian Hislop did. I did hear about and, that. And have you where Ian I Duncan Smith wept about the plight of a single mother in TV interview? I, I did watch I, it, and he actually did. Yeah, well, he, he um Ian, I, Ian when he started Smith. talking about his own daughter, you see how he imagined, and he started he started oh, okay. tearing up. I did hear Ian Duncan. Uh, I can't even speak. Sorry, Ian Hislop talking about it on, on her vocalist for you. And uh, he, he was asked, well, did you try and console him? And he said, no, it was Ian Duncan Smith, which I quite yeah, liked. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that as well. But Rob, but let, let's turn this on its head. Okay. We don't want to be accused here of like bashing the rich, so let's turn this on its head. So first of all, I've got an article from the 12th of April by a man who says that he was the model for, the real, for, for, for Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. And he's saying, and I support, I'm the real, he's, 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 his quote is, I'm the real life Gordon Gecko, and I support Bernie Sanders. So let's listen to what this man's got to say. Okay. Banking is the least understood and possibly most lethal of all the myriad issues at stake in this election. This is him writing it. No candidate other than Bernie Sanders is capable of taking the steps necessary to protect the American people from a repeat of the recent debacle that plunged the nation into a recession from which we have not recovered. The potential for a depression looms heavily on the horizon. As a trained economist who has spent more than 20 years on Wall Street and one of the main models for Gordon Gecko's character, I know the financial system is in urgent need of regulation and responsibility. Yet Hillary Clinton is beholden to the banks for their... Uh, for their largesse in funding her campaign and lining her pockets. The likelihood of any Republican candidate taking on this issue is not even worthy of discussion. The recession of 2007 to 2016 and the persistent transfer of wealth from the 80% to the 1% is mostly the result of banking irresponsibility precipitated by the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act in Glass-Steagall Act in 1999. The law separated commercial banking, responsible for gathering and conservatively lending out funds, from investment banking, more speculative activities. Which I thought in the UK the opposite has happened I thought they, they, they've deliberately separated the two yeah well yeah they did and they did but it was repealed you see in the United States oh, okay. a new culture emerged that rewarded bankers for return on equity no he's going back to 1999 that's why we had this separation oh I see right. do you see what I mean okay. it was repealed a new culture emerged that rewarded bankers for return on equity rather than sound lending practices the wild west of risk taking staked on depositors money became the best sport in town why not if management won they got rich when they lost the taxpayer took the responsibility 
If that sounds like a good wager, it was and is, and it mm. bloody well is, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, of course it is. The only problem is what happens when the music ends. Debt-to-capital ratios for investment banking functions rose from 12 to 1 to 30 to 1. Options on derivatives and other derivatives increased that leverage manyfold. Self-regulation became the rule, and lo and behold, in 2008, crash. America and the world were nailed by a fastball from which the bottom 80% of the American population has yet to recover. Remarkably, today the derivatives positions held by the large banks approach 10 times those of 2007 to 2008. I was aware of this. In Which four- is really interesting. Can I just point, make a point that... Of course, Rob. Over the, in the last three months, um, there has been countless articles, including in, like, in, in The Economist and also The Financial Times, saying that another crash worse than 2008 is anticipated. Yeah. No, but Rob, because I, I, I read some of these things as well, uh, the, 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 for about two years now, people have been saying, this is going to happen again. It is, it is inevitable. It's on the brink. People don't seem to realise this. And, and, and a lot of people are saying that it's going, to, it's going to be focused around, it's going to start in the Asian market because obviously the stock market has been very... China. Very, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now that seems to have, have, have stabilised somewhat. It has. But it's only going to take one single thing and the whole, to rock lot, it over. Will come, yeah, the whole lot comes down. Anyway, Sorry. <laughs> in four banks alone, those derivatives exceed the GDP of the entire world. I mean, that's... Do you want to read that again? Yeah, so remarkably, today, the derivative positions held by the large banks approach 10 times those of 2007, 2008. In four banks alone, they exceed the GDP of the entire world. This is an interesting consequence when unchecked risk management rests in bankers' hands. When Clinton repealed Glass-Steagall... Bill, I assume. It was accumulation of the largest ever lobbying effort by the banking community to that date. $300 million spent to convince Congress that Clinton, aided by Robert Rubin, US Treasurer, previously with Goldman Sachs, and Alan Greenspan, a Milton Friedman-style, supply-style economist, that the restraints on speculation should be removed. The banking community's gratitude was and is unending. This is the same Goldman Sachs that has just just offered to pay £5 billion back to the US Treasury because of their involvement in the last financial crash. Yeah. And isn't Goldman Sachs the one that isn't Goldman Sachs the one that Tony Blair's worked for before? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Or, yeah. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be so it, one of those. Well, they, they were definitely one of the banks that had to be bailed. JP out. Morgan, sorry. Oh, JP Morgan. Okay. Wait, there's more. After the collapse of 2008, the Federal Reserve invested more than 15 trillion to save the banks under the guise of monetary stimulation. At the time, little or no funds were channeled to the needs of the American people. Yet today we face another crisis of liquidity. This time Europe will break first followed by their highly leveraged US colleagues. Meanwhile, the bottom 80% of Americans remain marred in a recession, recession, having seen no increase in their incomes during the last 20 years. Poverty is at its highest level since the 1930s. In some areas of the country, higher. More than 30% of all children live with families subsisting below the poverty level. Employment is at a new all-time low. The percentage of employed persons is about 49%, having been at more than 52% prior to 2008. The average American is entitled to more. Only Bernie Sanders is committed to honest solutions to these problems. The way to avert the next banking crisis is most clear. Assuming a Republican Congress, which will prevent the reinstatement of Glass-Steagall, Bernie has only to turn to regulation and responsibility. Dodd-Frank provides the necessary structure with which to begin, enforce it, put teeth... I don't know what Dodd-Frank is, but put teeth into bank regulation, determine the acceptable levelling of risk at which banks can operate... Make management, not underlings or stockholders, responsible for violating the law. Encourage the Justice Department to be clear in seeking appropriate penalties for financial crimes in large institutions, not by fines alone, but in the prosecution of those executives responsible. Because nobody, Rob, has been prosecuted for what happened. No. Well, no, 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 be fair. In Iceland, they have. Right. Split other banks that are speculating with depositor and government funds. Investment banks are supposed to risk investors' money, but commercial banks should return to lending fairly and carefully to help create a foundation for future growth. Bernie Sanders is the only independent candidate who escapes the malaise of being bought. He is paid for by the people and represents their interests. And you could take that to the bank. So, there we are, Rob. 
I assume a still fantastically wealthy person talking some sense. And on that thing, 40 million, this is from Amanda Holpuk in New York, writing for The Guardian. 40 million, uh, sorry, on the 21st of March, this was a little while ago, I've been holding on to it. 40 millionaires asked New York to raise taxes on wealthy and 1% plan for fairness. Wow. More than 40 millionaires on Monday asked New York State to raise taxes on the wealthy under what they called a 1% plan for tax fairness. They write in an open letter, as New Yorkers who have contributed to and benefited from the economic vibrancy of our state, we have both the ability and the responsibility to pay our fair share, the millionaire said in an open letter to Governor Andrew Cuomo and and state lawmakers, saying they were deeply concerned that too many New Yorkers are struggling economically and the state's ailing infrastructure is in desperate need of attention, in quotes. The millionaires urged the governor and the legislature to pass the 1% plan for New York tax fairness. The letter was put together with the Fiscal Policy Institute, a left-leaning think tank, and the Responsible Wealth Project, a network of hundreds of the wealthiest Americans who support fair taxes and corporate accountability, in their words. Among the backers of the plan are Stephen Rockefeller, a fourth-generation member of the Rockefeller family. Well, I still don't trust him. Elpeth Gilmore, who works to get wealthy people under 35 to donate to philanthropic efforts. And Joshua Mailman, son of the inventor and philanthropist Joseph Mailman. The Signees emphasise that funds are needed to address issues such as child poverty, homelessness and crumbling infrastructure. They write, It is shameful that child poverty in New York State is at a record level, exceeding 50% in some of our urban centres. New York State has a record number of homeless families, more than 80,000 people struggling to survive across the state, and far too many adults in our state do not have the work skills needed for the 21st century. These human and physical infrastructure investments will pay off in the creation of new jobs, a workforce prepared to fill them, and a reduction in the extreme income inequality that currently exists in our state. Lewis Coleman, retired chief executive of the At A Glance Appointment Book Company, said he supported the plan because philanthropy does not pay for things such as street maintenance, food inspections or public schools. Those of us in the top 1% of incomes have a particular responsibility to contribute to the public sector at a higher marginal tax rate than everyone else, Coleman said in a statement. And you get the, uh, the gist. Um, and earlier this month, a national group called the Patriotic Millionaires... Which is a great name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah that, that could be a, like a, a name of like a football team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> back to plan to close a New York tax loophole that benefits the wealthy. Surely the Patriot Millionaires are just the England football team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Okay, Rob, I believe it is time for your story. And you, you revealed last week that, you, just to give people a background about this, a few months ago, I can't remember when it was, Rob featured this amazing story from the Derby Telegraph called Lunchtime Life, which was where they basically sent a journalist out on a lunch break and asked him just to look for 10 random things and write about them. It was the most tedious, banal story we've ever heard. And Rob, diligent trooper that he is, has gone into the archives and found that this was once a feature that ran for a few weeks before it was shelved. That's and, right, yeah. And so you've yeah. got a, ba- a, a small back catalogue. We had one last week and it was exceptional. I cannot wait for this week, Rob. I've been looking forward to this all week. So if you can imagine, we're following off the last story from the centre of Manhattan and we're going to the centre of Derby. Mm. I mean, it's quite a change, obviously. The headline is by Martin Naylor. I think he is the journalist that writes every one of these stories. Right. So here we go. So this is from July the 3rd, 2015. Lunchtime light. 10 things we spotted in Derby today, Friday, July the 3rd. So obviously... Do you think after he did this for a few weeks, he just went back to the editor and said, I don't have anything else to write because I'm just seeing... <laughs> I do need to let the listeners know that last week, his number 10 thing that he actually pointed out that he saw was some chickens tucking into some scraps on the floor. Some pigeons, pigeons tucking into some scraps on the floor. This was written down as, as a journalistic article. That's right, yeah. yeah. 
Our reporter was out and about at lunchtime today to check up on what's been happening in the city centre. Here's his top ten. Now tell us what, what Rob, you but What's even more concerning is this is a top ten. This is assuming that he goes back to the office with 50 things and edits these down. This is the abridged version. <laughs> oh, I hope it is. This really is the highlights. So tell us what you saw while you were ambling around at lunch. No, please don't. So number one. The giggling, retired couple playing hide-and-seek with each other. Sorry, the giggling, retarded couple. No, 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 retired couple. You really did say, sound like you said retarded. No, I did say retired, I assure you. The giggling, retired couple. couple. Playing hide-and-seek with each other around the pillars inside of the intro centre. Aww. He great. featured the intro centre last week. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, it's great to see the not-so-young... Uh, it's great to see the not-so-young love is still alive and well in Derby. Also, if this was a weekly feature for a time, are we to assume that only got a lunch break once a week? <laughs> Good point, actually. Yeah, it's very true. Um, number two, a host of US imported chocolates and goods on offer at the Candy Junction intro. Even if it even got a sale for the US Independence Day, grab yourself a treat. Rob, this is unbelievable. This ever got in the paper. An editor looks at these stories and he, he signed this off, whoever that or she. Okay, sorry. Okay, number three, the traditional fish, uh, Friday fish and chips going down well with the customers at BHS. He had one about fish and chips last week. It doesn't matter, Alex. Doesn't matter, it's Friday this time. Number four. An array of colourful tattoos in East Street, including imposing-looking bodybuilder type who had the words, Only God Can Judge Me, inked across his left bicep. Number five. A chugger in St. Peter Street who, after rejection, muttered under his breath, I wish I was on a beach instead of this. You and us both, pal. Six. <laughs> well, that's the truest thing. Yeah, that, there we're getting a glimpse behind the curtain there when he says that, because that's him saying that I hate this job. Yeah, yeah. Number six. The sight of three subway takeaways being built will be drowned in, in, long, in footlongs before you know it. Is that a euphemism? No, possibly. Number seven. Intrepid BBC Radio Derby reporter Nigel Cash in his car in the marketplace. Nigel Cash. Nigel Cash. Brilliant yeah. name. Yeah. Number eight. A teenage girl walking arm in arm with an elderly lady whilst holding a bag that reads, I have a lovely grandma. Say it loud and proud, young lady. We all love our grands. Two more to go, Al. Bear with me. Number nine. An old model, what looked like a 1960s Lambretta, getting envious glances at the, at the traffic lights from a teenage, lag, a teenage lad on a hairdryer scooter. My head is in my hands right now, Rob. Um, number ten. Is the best. Like, like last week with the chicken for, for pigeons feeding on scraps. Number 10. A bloke sitting outside the white horse in Mutledge, shouting across to his mate who was leaving Derby Crown Court and raising a, gl- a glass to him. Looks like he got off. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I, I, I have to say that this, these stories paint a very bleak picture of Derby. Yes, they do, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read one comment which is just a bit strange. It's, it's from Wiggist. Who just, sh- who just, sh- I can't speak today, sorry listeners, who just says, tell me more about the peacock. Tell your mum about the peacock. Tell me more about the peacock. He didn't mention the peacock. Exactly. What peacock? Tell me more about the peacock. I, I feel like that should be a slogan on, written on t-shirts. Yeah. I'd like to see somebody walking down the street with a t-shirt, not me, because it says, tell me more about the peacock. <laughs> Actually, we can make profit off that. Yeah. Okay, it is time for our listener's story of the week. And um, so I'm here with my chickens, Rob. 58 of them. 
What are you planning on doing today? Alex, they, they can't understand you. No, they're talking to me. They're, they're not. Really? Really? Oh, you've had a falling out with Roger, have you? No, we'll sort it out. We've got some... You know, we'll put you on either side of the table, put some corn in the middle and we'll sort it out. Are you having a breakdown? Do, do I need to... That happened some time ago, Rob, I'll be honest. Oh. I mean, that would make sense, especially with some of the text I've been getting. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, look, less about that. What's your listener story, Rob? Okay. Who, who is it from this week? It's from Shay. Shay. Have you been, been a while since we've heard from Shay? It is. It has been a while, yeah. You did say as well that Ben Ben Halifax, we need to give an honourable mention to him, because he submitted an update on Ronnie Pickering. That's right. But the problem was, we uh, the audio, and it, was a, it was a video update of Ronnie Pickering. Anybody who wants to watch it, go on YouTube, put it in. It was great when calling this traffic warden or whatever he was, a Muppet, yep. continuously. But the audio quality was so poor that it, it didn't really it pick. It wasn't great, unfortunately. Yeah, but, but it's, still, it's worth a watch. And it's lovely to hear from Ben again. Yeah. So you get an honourable mention, Ben. Thanks for that. And he did make me chuckle, that video. Okay. To the Bristol Post now. Story is by Mark Cooper. I mean, it's just bizarre. Hang on a minute. My chickens appear to have died. <laughs> hey! There we go. I think you... They didn't tell you that, did they? I think... No, I think he was laying an egg. What, they went silent? Yeah, so these ones, they, they go quiet. Right, okay. And they kind of go... Oh. Headline. Right. Does Bristol Fungus look like Maradona's Maradona's Hand of God goal? Does Bristol Fungus yes. look like Diego Maradona's Hand of God goal? It's like a day-to-day story. <laughs> no. So hang on, we've had a, does a cloud look like an elephant or a dinosaur, and now where does a piece does a piece of fungus look like Maradona's Hand of God? I mean, I can see it. I'll be honest. Why are YouTube putting advert breaks in chicken sound effects? Oh, it's ruined the illusion for all those listeners, and I apologise. <laughs> I don't think anyone's fallen out, I'm sorry to say. Anyway, this fungus spotted in Bristol looks like Diego of Maradona's famous Hand of God World Cup goal against England. No, it doesn't. It does. <laughs> Bristol wildlife expert and post columnist Steve England. Why is there a wildlife expert getting involved? Looks like his name, Steve England. Yeah. Reckons fungi is known for creating natural art and snapped this image when, uh, when it reminded him of Diego... Uh, the Argentinian's famous goal against England during the quarterfinals of the 1986 World Cup I'm sorry, World I've heard a lot of things in my life. I have not commonly heard pe- people say that fungi is known for creating natural art. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you, when you see it, you can understand what he means. Right. Yeah. Uh, Maradona, who scored two goals as England lost 2-1, leapt in the air and appeared to hand, uh, handball the goal he didn't appear goalkeeper. To, he didn't appear to handball shit. He, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't appear. He did. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. Uh, Steve, who is a volunteer at the Stoke Park Estate in Bristol, said fungus will build a wall around itself made from melamine, the same pigment as our skins are made from, creating wiggly black lines through, throughout the wood called splatting. Me? That sounds like a sexual Splatic? practice. Splatting. Splatting sounds like some sort of variation on dogging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it's what happens at the end of dogging. Yeah, uh, so a battle ensues between them who is going to eat the tree first. On rare occasions, as in this picture, it can create amazing natural art. In this case, the infamous football and Maradona's Hand of God scene. Well, has he found the Sistine Chapel on one? <laughs> the roof of the Sistine Chapel. Uh, and he also added, fungus really... Uh, fungus... Does it make his choice? Fun guy. Fungus really are the bags... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick, <laughs> pick airs with this guy. He's the expert, Rob. Yeah, okay. Uh, fung- fungus really is the, natu- the banksy of the natural world. That's why I love fungi. <laughs> Genuine quote there. Um, the banksy of the natural world. No. 
No, want... unfortunately, these things don't sell for millions of pounds afterwards. I don't think. Do you want to see it? No, just <laughs> right. end the episode. I don't think I need to. Oh my god! Okay, actually, yeah. if, if you, they've actually got a picture of it as well. So, <laughs> oh my god! Can you see it though? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, I can see it. It looks like a man with arm out ray stand with it, but it could be I lots. Think this of is things. the splattering. But it, could be, but it could be lots of things. It could be somebody waving in front of the moon. Couldn't it? It could be, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Or the sun. Or any other planetary object or star. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, that, that was it. There's a few comments. So the natural world has finally come out, Rob. Yeah. Hang on. 50 years after the Hand of God. No, when was the Hand of God gone? Sorry, not 50 years. When was the Hand 1986. So, sorry, I'm getting my maths completely wrong. So 40 years, exactly 40 years... After it happened, the natural world is saying to us, yes, Maradona did cheat. Yeah, it's a bit slow, it. but it's saying, com- confirming what we all knew. Well, I think that we can... Is this a miracle? Is it fair to say that, that somehow... Yes. The, the divine has managed to manifest itself in this tree to, Possibly. to claim that Ingrid robbed? Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a few comments, as I said. Uh, the first one is from uh, Pauden, who says, uh, is there no proper news around Bristol at present? Um, the Black Pearl says for crying out loud we'll have toast burns like Ferguson next can we not have, can we have some real journalism not shit <laughs> well we haven't had an episode title yet this week have we I don't no, know. We you, you have to cobble one together so can we have some proper journal, some real journalism not shit <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can have that um, and uh, the last one is uh, Man of Logic who just says uh, <laughs> we've had him before <laughs> yeah no, it doesn't look like it, unless you are desperate and illiterate. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, sorry, unless you are a desperate and illiterate <laughs> Bristol Post journalist. Desperate and illiterate Bristol Post journalist is a good that's episode title. Yeah, yeah. What about desperate and illiterate local news journalist as our episode title? Oh, that's tile? good. Yeah, very good. Because yeah. that, would, that would sum up nearly every article we've ever featured, Rob. Uh, especially some of this week. I mean, let's face it, we've had, uh, obviously... Lunchtime life and that story about the cloud and not forget that shitty story about the fucking chickens. Do you want to ask my fifty-eight chickens anything before yeah. we gone? Oh god, what to ask? Too many questions. If you could ask a chicken a question, no, hang on, this is a really good question. If you could ask a chicken and have it respond to you in a way that you could understand, is there anything you would like to ask a chicken? Because I have to say, I'm struggling to think of anything I would want to ask it. Do you ever get confused with a turkey? Maybe I'd ask it. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask it. <laughs> I'd like to ask it some really ridiculous logic questions. <laughs> then maybe I'd ask it. What do you think of humans? That's good. Or maybe if you were being attacked, would you prefer one um, duck-sized horse or one or twenty horse-sized ducks? No, I don't get that right, did I? That doesn't sound right. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, and I'm I'm le- uh, to, to be fair, Rob, the chickens are a hell of a lot easier to understand. Than <laughs> So we're going to leave the uh, the chickens behind, and uh, that brings this episode of LA Podcast, Local Anesthetic Podcast, to a close, Rob, as we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode, which will be episode 147, Rob. We're, we're slowly approaching 150 bloody episodes, mate. Um, what? 150? Uh, 200. Oh, right, episodes. I was about to say. 200 episodes, yeah. That would be going back in time. Oh, yeah. As we move ever more forward, Rob, like... Um, like... Like, uh, like, 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 what, what moves? Like, um, 
like a man wandering through southeast London and the Croydon area looking for another cat to behead. Yeah, that'll do. Or, or, or it could the, the perpetrator could be a woman. Uh, we do have to say that in yeah. the interest of balance and equality. Absolutely. Um, just like that, we move ever more forward to our next episode. And all that remains, Rob, is for us to say, well, you to say predominantly, goodbye to this episode. Bye, episode. Don't make me sit in silence. At least fucking say something. <laughs> okay, listeners, apparently we're going to be subjected to a long pause. Sorry, Rob. Sorry. I had my earphones on. I was listening to some uh, some music. What kind of music do you like, Rob? I don't like music. Really? Yeah. Uh, you've got a stain on your shirt. I know, it's ink. I think it might be a slight speckle of shit. It, it's not... <laughs> I don't think. Bye! Okay, bye. We can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. From there, you can download all... How long has this gone on for? What? This this, this feature. It is a feature. I don't care what you say. Well, I um, I can't remember the day that you first requested to start saying goodbye to the episode. I I never requested that. That that, that was not a thing that happened. (laughs) I just worry that one day I'll end up with you killing the episode. <laughs> which, I mean, let's face it, would involve killing you, which might be enjoyable for the listeners. Although Rob, myself and the episode are separate. I need to make that clear. Alex, it's your hand. LA Podcast. <laughs> Sorry to ruin the illusion, listeners. Um, LAPodcast.net is our website. From there, you can download all of the previous episodes. And there's a. Well, if it's some part of your site. Shut up! There's a, don- <laughs> there's a donate button in the top corner that you can click to donate to the good cause is this podcast. And uh, we can be found on Twitter at, at LA Podcast. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash LA Podcast. And if you go onto iTunes, search for Alex and Rob or Local News or LA Podcast even, you will find all of our previous episodes. And please, please, please press that subscribe button. And please as well, if we've got any lot of listeners out there who haven't left us a review or any new listeners who haven't left us a review, please leave us one because it really helps us. And if you want to tweet us a story or send us a story, you can do it at Twitter at LA Podcast. You can post it on Facebook or you can email us the good old-fashioned way at lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That's it. See you next week. God bless. And keep it local.